0: Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You are listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. If you're enjoying this, head over to www.yasodblocks.com and subscribe for only $9.99 a month and get access to all of the different content that we are creating and sharing on Yasod Blocks. Additionally, you can check out our recent album that was released on iTunes and Amazon. It's called Tikkun HaYisod, all about how to use these uh, integrated, holistic Torah frameworks to do battle with the dark side of the internet. So you can also get that on the website on Yasod if you are a subscriber and if you enjoy this content or you just want to support what it is that we're doing and help us to create more Torah, to bring more light into the world, then please consider subscribing and supporting what it is that we are trying to create. In this particular episode, I just Want to begin by mentioning that my grandfather passed away today, and uh, my grandfather was the patriarch of our family, a halachic expert and also a scientific expert. And uh, this this series and this entire uh, project, Yisod Blocks, and all of the things that go on on Yisod Blocks, uh, could not have happened without him because he literally. Was this? Uh, he was the, the beginning of this whole way of thinking, at least as far as, as my life as concern is concerned. Uh, he was a he was a a, a teacher at in, in a college. He was a, a, a an expert in electricity and, and physics, and also a halakhic expert. He's the inventor of the Shavus elevator, for example, uh, a technology that is used uh, all over the world by Jews um to actually use elevators on chavez and other technologies that are similar to that he invented all of those as well because of his ability to fuse scientific thought with uh, halachic thought and that's really what yasod blocks is all about it's basically a scientific approach of analysis that tries to take into account all of the different facets and and aspects of life as opposed to just sort of focusing on just talking about, well, there's a guy in the sky named God, and you got to do what he says. There's actually a whole analytical, critical analysis approach here that is designed to try to get to the bottom of what's going on uh, phenomenologically and and personally and experientially and physically um, in the Torah framework, and that really uh, that that whole way of thinking and that ability to be critically analytical in that way all uh, uh, arrived and evolved from. Uh, my grandfather, our entire family, actually thinks this way in a lot of ways. It has the scientific approach, and uh, we really all we owe it all to him in in that kind of way. So that's uh, unfortunate news, but it seemed like it was a good time to mention that that root. Uh, that we all have in, in him and uh, to, to sort of have that in mind as we are learning in this particular episode and to recognize that in all other episodes. And this is actually a very um, good segue into what it is that we're talking about. As you know, we've been discussing in the previous episodes these concepts of brachos, uh, and that's really exactly the same idea here is to sort of look at something and recognize its context, where it comes from, what is the root of something, uh, you know how does something how does something come to be as it is, and not to lose touch with the chain uh, of evolution of, of how that thing came to be. So when we make a bracha on a particular action or a particular thing, uh, so then that's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to link it back to Hashem at the root, and then all the layers of existence that gave rise to that thing or phenomenon or action. And so we're skipping now to Siman Memvav, which is uh, section forty-six. In the Shulchan there's two sets of Halachos that we're skipping over, which is Hilchos Tzitzis and Hilchos Tefillin. Uh, and we're going to be going back to those in a, after, after we sort of finish the brachos and tfila sections of the Shulchan Aruch. Because the reason I wanted to do this in this order is just because those two areas of halacha, they are particularly complex, and it would take us into a very different area, uh, which is something which is fine to do, and we're going to do it uh, relatively soon, but I wanted to first try to keep us on an accumulative track with the, uh, the ideas of brachos and Tfila that are basically going to be filling up the, the Shulchan Aruch for the next... Uh, so let's say, 50, 60, 70 sections are going to be, all be focusing on that. So we're going, to, we're going to try to go through all of them. We'll see if we go through them, each one individually. Uh, probably a lot of them we can kind of lump together into chunks. Um, but the point is that the tzitzit and tefillin uh, areas of halakha will be coming after that uh, in order to allow them the proper focus and time. It's going to kind of need even more development of ideas and frameworks in order to get to the root of those two mitzvot. They are particularly deep and complex, and uh, there's a lot underneath them, which makes sense since they are if you actually take a look at things like tefillin, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are that you know we kind of take them for granted, but there's a lot of seeming oddities that are all really doorways to the underlying uh, perspectives and and Torah system that is at work in that particular mitzvah and Sittis is no different. Um, so we'll be uh, we'll be coming back to those at some point in the near future. In this particular episode, we're going to be doing, like I said, Siman Membav, section 46, and this Sif Aleph and vase and a few other parts of this, which is now where the Shulchan Aruch really goes a little more into detail with the brachos that we say in the morning. We already kind of went over some of these, so I'm just going to read the halacha and explain a little bit, and then we're going to pause at a particular point where there's a couple of pieces here that need to be analyzed a little bit more deeply. So, the Shulchan articulates it like this. He says, When a person wakes up from his sleep, you should say, And we already discussed that in previous episodes, and we understand that that's basically a bracha that's supposed to relate to our awareness of our of the return of our consciousness. And so we have a special bracha to heighten our awareness of that phenomenon and to link that back to Hashem. Like with all these brachos, When you hear a chicken, a rooster, crow, Then you can make a bracha about how Hashem gives the rooster the ability to differentiate between day and night, which is essentially our... our, We are essentially trying to relate to something which Hashem is doing in the world, something which we are actually a part of. We also have this capacity to differentiate between things and so we it's something which we relate to and we see wow this animal knows how to detect the difference between night and day and it basically is trying to convey that so this is um this is something which we're trying to tap into to recognize that Hashem is the source of this power of differentiation and 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 discerning uh that we find inside of the rooster so each of these brachos like I mentioned has its particular theme and uh and each of them has the same underlying mechanism of trying to link this back to Hashem because it's okay uh, sorry, skip that line there. When a person gets dressed, uh, you should say the bracha of Malbish Arumim, that you dress those who are naked. When a person rests his hand on his eyes, you should say that Hashem uh, gives sight to the blind. When a person sits down, you should say the bracha that Hashem frees those who are imprisoned. That's because, that's because uh, sitting down is bringing your body to rest, and so as opposed to feeling like you are forced to stand uh, against your will in a certain way. Basically, standing is a more stressful position. Being able to sit down and rest yourself, at your, at, you know, to be at rest, is a form of freeing yourself from a certain kind of burden. Uh, when you straighten, you should say the bracha of Hashem straightens those who are bent over. And a person puts his feet on the ground. And Hashem basically puts the land over the waters. This is a reference um, to what we have in the in the Torah, that that the way that existence was formed is that there was kind of like a very unstable raw material phase of waters. And then Hashem basically drew this solid land, terra firma, uh, over the water. And we're basically acknowledging this that stability. Anybody who's ever been through an earthquake has experienced the opposite of this and knows that this is something which we often take for granted. And again, using the same dynamics, the etzadas tovara dynamic gets in the way and allows us to basically experience all these things on a daily basis without realizing that these are these are um, uh, are not givens. These are things that are coming from somewhere, and they are they are a certain type of, of gift and freedom that we have. So we're trying to deepen our awareness, as we discussed in the in the um, Hoda episode. The concept of thanks is really the concept of admitting of, of of recognizing that these are things that don't come from us. They come from beyond us. Uh noel min Allah When a person uh, uh, ties his shoes. So he says a, a bracha that Hashem gave me everything that I need. When a person walks, you make the bracha that says that Hashem um, basically prepares the steps of a person. When a person puts on his belt, he says that Hashem basically uh, he 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 girds us with strength because a belt represents, I guess, like a like a gird a girdle. Uh, which is basically supposed to be like a, a wordplay concept there, and then Hashem girds us with strength to do the things that we do in our day. Each of these brachos um, has obviously the same the same underlying concept here, um, and so that's you know, th- there's more here. There's more examples. Um, but essentially, these are these are all uh, listed together in the Siddur and in the Shulchan Aruch here, and he writes that you're supposed to say them as you do these actions, because each is supposed to be a bracha that relates to a phenomenon, to an experience in your particular day. And so, again, what we're trying to do is, this is really like a lifestyle thing here. We're trying to do these actions to bring Hashem into every single thing that we do. Unfortunately, the way that these types of things are often um, executed is that there's not so much Hashem In this, it's kind of just like a list of things that we say. We say them fast. We say them often, thoughtlessly, out of habit. For the same exact reason. The irony is that is also das tovara. You know, people talk about these things as if, well, there's um, it's just normal that we say brachos in a habituated way. That's just how people are. Without recognizing that even that idea that that's how people are is itself within the Torah framework, and that's kind of like the whole point. Of these types of things. In other words, the Eitz Hadass gives you the capacity to create perceptions that are deviant from the reality of your existence. So the deviation here is that we actually have all these things in our lives that are gifts that that we constantly use and rely on, and we just don't see them because at, since they are since since the Eitz Hadass basically creates a situation where we are habituated in our perceptions, where we create perceptions, then we just kind of accept them and don't reanalyze them. Our perceptions start getting stacked; they start getting entangled with each other, and so. So you'll have a perception right in front of you let's say you're you're in in shul and you see a person that you want to talk to so that's a stronger perceptual awareness of them than the awareness of these brachos and what they mean simply because that particular person is is, uh, is a newer phenomenon in your current in your current perceptual landscape while you have these perceptions of these of these brachos that have been there for many years if you've been saying them for many years so then it just fades into the background and you have this this more prominent awareness of the person who's right there. And the irony is that that's the whole point of these brachos is to constantly try to create deeper levels of awareness in your consciousness and in your mind and your thoughts by basically saying these trigger phrases, which then create a cascade of thoughts uh, in the bina area of your mind, the area that basically makes um, extrapolations of thought from one thing to another. So, for example, uh, if anyone here has ever had their uh, their back thrown out, it happens to a lot of us. Uh, you know, it can happen in very, very random ways. Even just from sneezing, a person can throw out their back muscles and then they, they have to walk bent over because of that. And it's brutal. I mean, it can take over your life, at least temporarily For in many cases. Um, but when you experience that, so what's happening there is that you suddenly have this very strong uh, experience right in front of you. Again, similar to having a friend in it's like this perception that suddenly pops up like, wow, my, my back is hurting so much. It's, a, it's an overarching pain that interferes with even any other thoughts and any other activities. And and so and then when, you, when, when it does heal eventually, so then it's, uh, it can be this incredible relief where you're like, yeah, wow, like now I can finally stand straight again. And you might even appreciate standing straight again, uh, you know, for a few days without having to feel that pain. Um, now the idea here is that is the the point of this bracha is to access to key into those kinds of different experiences and attempt to access them so you can have them on a longer term basis and so you know I I've had my back go out a number of times in my life and whenever I think about this or whenever I you know I, I try to imagine myself and I even try to imagine I actually do imagine how it's it's actually really wild how there are just situations that you can be in, where you simply can't walk, where you can't get around. And it's and it's very annoying. It's a very difficult thing. Uh, Not just annoying, it's very impeding. I mean, it's an obstacle situation where you just you're you suddenly realize, wow, I can't actually do I can't actually become I can't actualize myself. And so the, the the two pieces to that one is having a basic awareness of that which you have lost. Um, and, and that's essentially what we just articulated. Like the, the, there's like, I, I normally can stand straight. And the other piece is sort of like the bigger piece of what you've lost, which is understanding what your life is about and what you're here to do. So, and for that piece, there's obviously a a lot more to discuss here with this, but um, when you lose something of yourself, when you break something or when you're unable to stand or you're unable to walk, you don't have shoes or you don't wake up well, you have have some some problem in your body where you're sick. So these are all things that are obviously obstacles, but often uh, there's, unfortunately, we don't always have so much clarity as to why we're even here and what our lives are about in a deep sense. So instead, it kind of just appears to us like, well, now I don't have to go to work or I don't have to go to school or something like that, and which can obviously be a positive thing and simply because going to work or going to school can be very uh, consuming and immersive in a way that can dis- also create a Das tovara distortion and confuse us as to why we're even here. Um, but the Torah framework we're supposed to be accessing throughout all this, there's, there's a, almost like a certain baseline like a a background theme that we're supposed to always have there uh, it, it just floating in the background and and that that theme is that we are these aspects of Hashem's consciousness that are supposed to be manifesting and expressing Hashem's capacity for evolution and development and change and you can think of that as well, Hashem, on the on the deepest level Hashem is basically the source of space and the source of time and he is timeless and spaceless and then there is somehow this this way that 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 Hashem's kind of you know, this, this phenomenon of being, this phenomenon of awareness of I am someone is somehow then manifest inside of a space and time context in order to discover itself and to discover more and more and more of existence at deeper and deeper levels of truth. And so that's what, we're, that's what we are. We are these aspects of Hashem. If you think of Hashem as kind of like the total self or the total consciousness, we are these aspects of Hashem that are now trying to discover the rest of ourselves. We're trying to access the total consciousness, and we, and we access it incrementally over time. That's what a neshama is. That's why the the neshama is described as the breath that Hashem breathes into us. It's not literally air. Hashem is not breathing air into our lungs when he creates Adam and in the story in Parshas Beresh, he's not breathing air into us. What he's doing is he's basically breathing the, the what's called the nishmas chayim, the, the soul of life, it is the, and, and the breathing um, analogy, the way that it's it's described as a term blows that into us. Well, when you blow from yourself into somebody else, what you're doing is you're basically sharing your own air, the air that's within you, uh, in your core, in your in your lungs, and then it goes from you to them, and kind of bridges the distance between the two of you, at least temporarily. And with Hashem, it's exactly the same thing. He's basically sharing. There's this bridge between Hashem's uh, inner self, his breath of life, his nishama You can think of it. It's called. You can think of it as the nishama, the neshmas of the neshmasin, as the Gemara calls it in Maseches Brachos. It's the soul of all souls. In other words, Hashem basically shares. He breathes a little bit of him of his own self into you, and you become this this mini self, this this sub self, this micro cosmic version of the macro. And then you basically experience this this um, subconsciousness or this this micro consciousness that is a fragment of the total consciousness that we call a shem. And so you are now this this um, this partial version. You're some of the one, you're someone, and you're basically now experiencing life as as a partial consciousness fragment that is searching for the totality that you once knew. And that's what we're all here to do. And so when you're on when you're on that journey, so every situation, every experience that you're in, every every context that you're in is a is an is an environment that is rife with opportunities for accessing deeper and deeper understandings of existence and of yourself. And so if your back gets thrown out one morning, or you know, one day, and suddenly you're unable to do, you're unable to learn, you're unable to think, unable to to to, to create or to work, and you're basically just stuck, so then it's a situation which you should feel the Loss. And obviously you should look at that and say two things. You should say, number one, I'm now more deeply aware of what it is that I have, and that undoes some of the et-sa-das distortion where you take things that you have for granted. And that's not supposed to be a temporary inspiration. It's supposed to be that you take that awareness and, and um and you install it into your hard drive and keep that so that then the next you know the next day and the next day and you know for the rest of your life, you maintain some level of awareness of how that is not a given, it is a gift. Uh, You know, for there were many years where uh, I lived in in an environment where I really needed a car and I didn't have one. And I had to constantly borrow people's cars or or get rides with people, and going shopping was insanely difficult. And there were so many challenges uh, in doing that. And then, you know, finally I got a car. And that was a very, very big moment where it was like, you know, and I wondered to myself, like, okay, I, I really appreciate this car, it's amazing having it and i wondered if i would ever get you know if i would ever lose sight of that and i would ever you know stop appreciating it and start taking it for granted and so far it's been more than 10 years and i still am deeply deeply uh, like uh, appreciative and i don't mean appreciative like i'm saying thank you i mean like i am deeply aware of my own autonomy, my my autonomous autonomous ability to do what I need to do on my own schedule, my own way, because I have the ability to drive myself to places uh, when I want to go there, and that's exactly what we're talking about. It's something which can be permanently installed when you do this, because you're trying to grasp uh, that which you have lost, and then and then to to use it as a as a catalyst for seeing more clearly what it is that you have. So that's the that's that's the one main thing, and the second main thing is basically uh, to to um, uh, to more deeply recognize that this particular experience is actually Hashem kind of sending you events and and phenomena and experiences to allow you to access um, Him more deeply. In other words, what you're trying to do is trying to you're trying to undo the distortions of the Eitzadah, so you can actually see clearly what it is that you have, and then that's simply the 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 other side of the coin of realizing what you have means being aware. That that Hashem is the root of all things. He is the root of all things that you have, and He's the root of you. And that and to sort of like use this opportunity and the situation as a context to to more deeply grasp that and to perceive it in its in its truth and its totality. That these are things that all come from Hashem. And so uh, it's it's essentially you know that's it's this process of of accessing higher states of consciousness. Now this halacha we're just going to read also halacha bet now for uh, for a second. Where we just kind of take it and we 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 show how it got to where it is now, and he says here, nowadays we our hands are not clean. Uh, in the morning, and also because there are many people who simply don't know these brachos, they're, they're not uh, educated, which is not exactly true nowadays, Nowadays, but at the time the Shulchan Aruch is writing this, and this is the basis for what we currently do, uh, the minhag, the practice has become to say these brachos all in order inside of the shul. In other words, instead of saying them when you wake up, and when you put on shoes, and when you put on your belt, uh, instead you say them when you get to shul and say them there all together in, in a row. And everyone says Amen to them after. In other words, the, the Chazan, the leader person in the shul, uh will say them and everybody else answers Amen. And that's how they are, they fulfill them. So we actually, nowadays what we do is like an in-between, a mix between these things. We actually go and say all these in shul, um, but we each say them ourselves. In other words, we don't just have the Chazan say them. Since we all know the brachos, we each say them ourselves. But there's plenty of room for still doing this the original way, in which we say them as we're doing the actions, which would be then actively using them to create the consciousness in the moment of our experience, uh, when we put on our shoes or when we start to walk on the ground. Um, and uh, and alternatively, saying them you know, all in a group, all in a row, in shul, also the thought process should be uh, about the meaning of the brachos, obviously, and to review in our minds what it is that we did in the morning that was actually what these brachos were referencing, uh, so that we can actually still access the purpose of these brachos, even when we don't say them at the time that we're actually going through the experiences that we are doing. So that this, this is, that, that's just the, the source uh, in halacha of why we do what we do the way we do it now. Um, but the underlying mechanics are still the same, and we should be using them in that same exact way. So I hope you enjoyed that, and that was clear. And again, thank you so much for listening and for joining us, and looking forward to having you join me in the next episode. Check out your soulbox.com, and iTunes and Amazon for other content, and uh, join us and support what we're doing. I look forward to having you join us again.